Welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins. I have missed you, listener one and listener listener two and mom, (laughs) whoever's out there listening. I have missed you. I've been uh, preempted the last two weeks. We had some great basketball with Missouri State and Drury the last two weeks, Um, but I am glad to be back, and we are continuing our series on sports ethics, so we're going to get to that in just a moment, but our presenting sponsor, Great Southern Bank, they are serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. We're very grateful for Joe Turner and Kelly Polonis, all of their teammates over at Great Southern Bank. Other sponsors that we're going to talk about throughout the show, Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. All right, so the last show that we had in our Ethics and Sports series, we had Coach Caitlin Lamberth, Central Girls Basketball Coach, and we had Landon Cornish, Parkview Boys Basketball Coach. They did a great job of reviewing some of the scenarios that we gave them um, and what they would do in those ethical situations. If you want to listen to that episode, you can go to a coachesperspective.com, listen to it under previous shows, or on Apple iTunes Podcast, Spotify, Verbal, or on Helium Satellite Radio now on Tuesdays from 1 to 2. All right, so I have had coaches on here, and so I'm, I was picking my brain on another panel, and of course, the natural progression is to have a panel of athletic directors because they are right in the middle of a lot of these ethical decisions that coaches have to make. So I have, um, I, I, I found a couple that were walking on the sidewalks, and I think they're going to be pretty good. So we'll test them here in this first segment, and then you all can be the judge. But I'm very excited to welcome to the show Brandon Clark. He is currently the athletic director at Nixa High School. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. We're glad that you are here. And on the other end of the spectrum, no, just kidding, we have um, one of, I, I have to be serious for a minute, one of my longtime mentors, because he's much older than I am, one of my mentors, previous basketball coach over at Greenwood Laboratory School, um, Blue and Gold Tournament Director, and uh, Director of Athletics at Springfield Public Schools and Drury University. So welcome to the show, Coach Mark Fisher. Thanks, Jenny. Glad that you are here. And I think this is um, a great series for us to generate some conversation on some of the decisions that you all have to make as athletic directors. Not all of them are cut and dry, and they take a lot of thought. They take a lot of processing, and I don't think that uh, the two of you, with your reputations as athletic directors, I don't think that you ever take these decisions lightly. Um, And so, first of all, I'm going to start with Coach Fisher. Tell me a little bit about your process. When you have a difficult decision to make, what kind of process do you go through? Well, I think to start with, you you need to find out as much information um, and hear from all parties, uh, not make just a, a decision on, on just one um, person's um, thoughts or information. And so I think you gather all of that together and, and you know, you look back at um, previous situations, um, see if there was something, you know, along those similar lines. But to, 
then you just try to do what you think is in the best judgment of all those involved. And sometimes that best judgment is not always uh, mean like playing in a game or, um, you know, uh, losing uh, the opportunity to participate. It's, you know, sometimes doing what's best is making that individual or individuals pay a price for something that, that maybe was, uh, you know, ill judgment at the time. Well, and you, you have had um, the luxury of being a coach. So you see a little bit from their point of view. You see a little bit of what they're going through sometimes in their decision making. Has that helped you as a director of athletics? Does that help you in your process to know um, that you've been in that position before, know what they're thinking? It really has. And, and I think all of those um, life experiences and professional experiences help you at some point. You know, I became a better coach and hopefully a, a better administrator. Uh, once my children got old enough where they were making decisions that may not have always been right, or I could see why young people make those decisions instead of just making a rash judgment, then, you know, why would, would someone, someone do something like that? And, and going back to coaching, you know, if you walked in the coach's shoes and you've been there and done that, then I think that helps you understand what was going through their mind maybe at the time and, and we all have those situations where we wish we had a mulligan. And so I think, again, it, those all those experiences help you uh, to come to that final decision on what the, the, the best um, you know outcome is on, on a situation. And sometimes those decisions are difficult, as you were stating. Sometimes the outcomes are, are going to affect not only the coaches but the athletes or could a team, could a school. And so you definitely don't want to take them lightly. Um, what about you, Brandon? How do you how do you come to uh, what is your process on making some of these difficult decisions? It's very similar. I mean, input's the biggest one. I mean, I caught myself this afternoon running around doing the same thing. Got to make a few tough decisions and getting a lot of key stakeholders involved and getting their thoughts. And and like Coach Fisher said, I may not make a decision that necessarily goes exactly with what I asked some or the input that they gave me, but. I want them to know that I'm seeking that. I'm looking for that understanding. And then uh, after that experience, again, is there been there, done that? But then for me, consistency. Once, once you know, have, have I made similar decisions like this in the past? And if not, I know I'm going to set a precedent for what future decisions are going to be. And so those are kind of those three key things that I use. Kind of detective work, isn't it? Oh, it's definitely de- detective <laughs> really? work. You're, I mean, I mean, you're really trying to unturn a lot of stones. I mean, trying to look from a lot of different angles. And, in, in you know, I, I hate to use the word political, but you are looking from a lot of different lenses. Not just, is this the right decision? Which, which I've, obviously, I, I always want to make right decisions, but I'm looking, how will this affect this group? How will this affect our community, how will this affect, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors you got to consider in and then, and then you still have to make the right decision. You can't, you can't just be in the moment making that decision. You have to look at the ripple effect and the impact. Well, and you know, if all decisions were black and white, then our jobs would be really easy. Uh, it's the ones that there's gray, uh, in there. And, and, um, those are the most difficult ones because if, if you look for instance in the Misha handbook and, and here's a rule that maybe was broken. Well, you know, that's non-negotiable. It's those ones that, that there's some gray area into it that, that then you really have to put your thinking hat on. Right. I mean, I I sometimes look at um, the, the Misha handbook and think, this was like the ultimate what-if scenario. I mean, this is, you know, there's so many different things that are there to help you. 
but then you still have situations that arise that are not in the book and mm-hmm. you've got to figure that out. So well, and I think that's where common sense sometimes comes into play also explain the definition i know i'm just kidding (laughs) but you know there are times where i look at some of these situations and i'm like where's the common sense how did this happen now all of these scenarios are real um they have you know obviously have changed names or or kept them very general and it's not necessarily that they're local i mean there's some in here from oklahoma texas i've got a couple from california um i've got several from kansas most of them about the fans in the stands (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why, but we are going to look at some of these. I'm going to start off with a little bit of an easy one. All right, let's say you you are um, a high school athletic director. You get a third phone call in the same week from an opposing coach uh, complaining about your boys' basketball coach. Your boys' basketball coach um, has a very talented team. They are state ranked. Um, they are beating teams by 40, 50 points. Uh, the boys' basketball coach is continuing to press in the fourth quarter. He's continuing to play his starters. There are some subs that don't even get into the game. So these coaches are calling to complain and saying, we're never playing you again. At what point do you address this with that coach, and how do you address it? Well, that's a loaded question. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll explain why. I mean, obviously it has to be addressed because, one, you got to go back to – what is our purpose? What are we, what are we trying to do here? You know, cause, cause as a, especially a high school sport, we're very education based. And so we're trying to teach our student athletes a lot of things. So what are we teaching our kids when we do those things? So, so that's why I said it's kind of a little quick question because really it comes back to as an AD, what culture are you building within your program? You know, you know, are you setting the right scaffolding up that your coaches will make the right decisions when those times come? Because, I can remember being in a situation and Coach Osborne being a Hall of Fame coach. You know, you get in a tournament situation where you only dress so many and you're beating a team and he feels guilty, you know, because he, he doesn't want to run up the score. And so he's trying to do things to make it a little more palatable, you know, you know, because. Right. because Which there are. There's several ways that yes, you can control the score as right. a coach and that's still right. let your players improve. And that's it. And I'm, I'm not saying I've had that effect on Coach Osborne. I believe he's he's had that for years now, but it's that idea. Are, are, are we building those values into our programs, into our coaches, into our student-athletes? And most of the time, that takes care of those types of problems. So it's more the, 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 the front-loading you do before you get to that problem because then to address it, it's a lot easier because you have a foundation of this is our mission, this is our vision, this is the culture we're trying to build, and you're not matching what we're trying to build. Agree. Anything to add to that? Coach? Well, I would think you probably are hearing it from your own parents if you're hearing it from an opposing coach. And, and again, just because the score um, gets out of hand doesn't necessarily mean a coach is running up the score. On you know, There's occasions where there's just such a, a wide gap of talent. Uh, but, again, when you're full court pressing, taking the ball away from them and shooting layups and – Really, uh, no one's gaining from that. Uh, your kids, and you know, and then that's an opportunity for you to get your young kids or, or your um, subs in there to play. But again, that can be a difficult discussion with that coach. But uh, again, one that uh, needs to take place at some point. Well, and and you're in the education business, so you know you are even as athletic directors, you're still educators, and so sometimes that is a teaching moment 
uh, for for a coach. That's a teaching moment for them to realize like exactly what both of you are saying. Mm-hmm. And then and, there's you know, and there's other times you know, especially I think with young coaches too, they get caught up in the moment or the heat of the battle, and they make that mistake and they go home after the game and go, gosh, you know, I I I kind of messed up there. And then that's where you make that phone call to the opposing coach the next day and say, hey, I've I, I should have called the dogs off, and uh, right. so. But those are learning experiences those for are. everyone. And if it happens once, that's fixable. If it's consistent, that's where they've crossed the line, and that's where it becomes uh, you've got to have an addressable moment there. All right, what do you think? Do you think I have a couple of good athletic directors here? I'm pretty sure that they're going to do a great job with these scenarios. We're going to take our first break. Raise your hand if you think they did a good job. Now put your hand down because I can't see you. It's radio. <laughs> we are, but they have their hands up. So. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of scenarios. We're going to put some good stuff together. So stay with us. You're going to enjoy these situations. It's going to be great. And thanks again to Great Southern Bank for being our presenting sponsor. We appreciate you. We'll be right back on A Coach's Perspective. A Coach's Perspective. This is Jenny Hopkins, and I have Mark Fisher and Brandon Clark here, and we're, we're talking ethics in sports. Uh, why are they here? They are here because they are athletic directors. I realize how that just sounded. Let me apologize for how that sounded. But they are athletic directors and longtime athletic directors that have had a lot of experience. And so it's nice to generate um, these conversations with veteran athletic directors because we're able to to get some answers on how you would handle it, honestly. So this is a great show for younger athletic directors to be listening um, to because a lot of times they're going to be faced with these and they're going to be picking up the phone and calling the two that we have here. So I really do appreciate you all coming in and I appreciate you, um, you know, sharing your experience and your wisdom with us. All right, so we talked a, a little bit about how you would handle a coach that runs up the score. Let's talk about how you're going to handle, um, you have some, some high-end boosters that are donating to the school, donating to the program, enhancing facilities. Um, they contribute. Um, their, their children happen to be starters on the team, um, but they lose that starting position, and they go to a role player. They come up to you and say, that's not going to cut it. I give too much money. My kid deserves to be starting and they want you slash demand you to do something about it all right this is a scenario that happened in in oklahoma coach fisher you want to go first this time well those are always difficult discussions because you've you know have that relationship with the with the parent or the booster but really i think that conversation would be first of all it would not be fair to your child um because Everybody on the team understands the pecking order. And if they thought that your son or daughter was getting um, treatment, special treatment because of, you know, their status in the community or what they give to the school, then really that puts him in a difficult position. So at the end of the day, it's about who earns that playing time. And and that's got to be a tough discussion with that individual. And, and at the end of the day, if it doesn't go well, then then so be it. But uh, you got to protect the integrity of the program. Yeah, that's I've 
I have a very similar answer to that. I mean, one, you know, anytime we take money, and I know it's, I don't know if it's any different at the high school level than it is at the university level, but, you know, I always like to make sure that they understand my position out that we're extremely grateful. You know, you know, we can't do, you know, certain things without their support, but it is no strings attached. I'm very clear about that. But then it comes back to what I kind of said before. It's that, it's that communication with parents. We are very clear in how we set up our culture with our parents is that we will play the best players or the right players, the right fit. And that may or may not be your son or daughter. And no matter what your position is or influence is and, and, you know, and that, and that's tough for parents here. And I've, I've got a daughter that's in high school. I've got one that's in junior high and, and I know it's easy. So I, I try and take the pressure off my coaches because they are, you know, they're <laughs> not say, Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Right. You know, you know, and, that, and that's the right. type of culture that I want to create. And I want our coaches to create with our parents, especially with donors. Sure. Well, part two of this, um, they take their kid and they leave and they go across town um, and they, they physically move and they're eligible and they pour a lot of money into that school. And my take on this, shame on those parents. I mean, we just talked about teaching moments and being educators. Shame on those parents and, and how they just crippled their kid from any kind of um, coping skills or future adversity development because they, 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 did, not, um, they, they did not teach them a life lesson there. And, and that is uh, extremely sad. Plus went to a school that didn't have as good a record. So they didn't even hardly come off the floor. So, um, you know, just shame on those parents. I'm going to send them a note. All right. The next scenario, you have a teacher in your building. And we're going to call this teacher medium maintenance. We have low maintenance. We have high maintenance. We're going to say medium maintenance. And this teacher comes in and one of the athletes from one of the um, successful teams that's playing it's a football team and that teacher comes in and says so and so just disrespected me in the classroom and sassed me and i demand that he not play tonight in the game Um, he needs a consequence Um, so doing your due diligence as you both were saying you were you go and you talk to other sides you um, find out what happened you do your detective work you find out from one of his teammates who was in the class that that teacher egged it on, that that teacher um, kind of picked on him and he snapped back at her. So who do you believe? How do you handle that situation? The teacher is demanding that the consequence be he doesn't play in that game tonight. So what? how do you handle that situation? Well, several ways to handle it. For me, I I go back to one, like I said before, you got to be a detective. You got to figure out all the things that are going on. But then I kind of fall back to what our policies are. And I know some people might say, well, that's a cop out because you're allowed. But again, why we create those policies, why we create like our citizenship policy, the discipline guidelines, all those things is to help us guide us through those things. And so, so I look at it and where we suspend a student from athletics is did they get discipline in school? You know, you know, did they get dealt with from an assistant principal did they, did they get assigned iss OS, and those help us you know then if it doesn't quite fall to that level then it then it is a conversation with the coach what are your expectations what have you put out to you know you know in your team handbook and all those things when this happens in class what does happen does that mean they don't start does it mean they miss a quarter do they miss a half you know you know those types of things so that goes back to those coaches you know what is it now that doesn't mean that's going to make that teacher happy because what they're asking sometimes is not what we're going to do but we do follow through with those things and even in my opinion even if the teacher egged it on to a degree that student still has to be held responsible for their actions 
you know, and that's, and that's tough to teach a 15, 16 year old kid <laughs> that wants to play um, on Friday night. Yes. Yes. Right. Exactly. That an adult in the room caused or helped to cause part of the problem. But in the end, what we teach them, we're still responsible for what we do, right. even when we may not have been at fault to start it. Well, and then many times in the heat of the, of the moment, uh, whether it's the teacher or the, or the student that, um, our emotions can get the best of us and things can be said. And I think that's where you get the, the coach involved, uh, along with the student athlete and hopefully, you know, calmer heads will prevail. And, and many times it may be, um, where the coach, it's the coach's decision not to play that individual on that given night. And so again, I think what that teacher has to understand, it's really not their decision whether that person plays or not. Uh, but you, uh, because the coaches, you know, nobody wants, those kids behave in class any more than the coaches. And uh, I know over past experiences that if, if they got in trouble in the class, they were going to, uh, um, you know, pay for it later in the day when practice rolled around. So again, I think just get everybody together in the same room and having those discussions and then, you know, uh, come to the, uh, the best decision uh, at the given time. It has to be a proportional response. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there is another consequence, you know, that would satisfy that teacher. But, however, I didn't tell you part two because your answers were spot on, and that's fantastic way to handle it. Uh, part two of this, this was in Texas. We all know football serious in Texas, right? It is very serious. Um, that teacher's son played for the team that they will be playing yeah. for on Friday night. <laughs> Does that change it? <laughs> Honestly, no. <laughs> dun, 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 <laughs> dramatic music. You know, uh, you know, probably what it would do is, is probably going to put additional pressure on that teacher because, you know, they, they would know what's going on. And, um, right. and if most teachers knowing that would, uh, would even go the other way and, and not make that decision or make that request because of, uh, how the optics would look, um, for setting out that game against uh, against her son's team, yeah, I agree. That's a definitely a layer of consideration, um, but again, should it still be a proportional consequence. All right, well, so we're going to take our next break, and when we come back, we'll continue with our ethical scenarios. And we want to thank Highland Dairy. Highland Dairy is owned by dairy farmers, and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. From scientific studies, professional dietitians, the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to an athlete after a workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate. We are so proud that they sponsor A Coach's Perspective. We thank them and we also thank Dr. Greg and Melinda Burnett as they support local and thoughtful radio. We'll be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. Welcome back to A Coach's Perspective. I'm Jenny Hopkins, and this segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. They know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, they know service, and they definitely know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. Kelly Grant, Shane Rainey, give them a call. They will take care of you. 417-326-7671. All right, we're back with Mark Fisher and Brandon Clark, and we are continuing our series on ethics in sports. And so now we're taking kind of the angle from the athletic director's point of view. So let's continue. Ready for your next one? Um, the, and this is something that is, um, 
you, you would think is is black and white, but is it? So we'll see how how you answer this. Uh, you find out uh, under a certain circumstance that you find out that your best player on the boys' basketball team is not living in your district. He's been playing all season, and they are heading into the playoffs. Um, they are state-ranked. He is the best player. He's been playing all season. Do you say anything? <laughs> well, yes, you. I mean, you have to because if if one person knows it, everyone knows it. And, I mean, for the integrity of your program, for the integrity of, of the school, um, because what happens if you continue to play that individual, you win a state championship, and it comes out two weeks later, then you're going to forfeit that. So, um, you know, you look into it, you report, you know, in our case, it would be you report it to the State Association mission and find out the details. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's an oversight where, um, you know, they didn't know, you know, where the boundaries were. Most of the time, though, they, they, they pretty well have it figured out. And, uh, you know, are they living with a grandparent? Are they living with a guardian? So, you know, a lot of times we would get phone calls about individuals saying that they, that someone was not living in the right attendance area and, and we would send someone out to check on it. And, you know, sometimes the stories were true. Sometimes they weren't. So you want to make sure again to get all the information. But yes, if, if it's brought to your attention, then you have to, to, to follow through on it. Yeah. And from experience on that, you know, the, the state, is going to have a lot more leniency in terms of what the discipline or the actions are going to be if we take action immediately. Because in that case, it, you know, when, when students register, parents register their students, you know, they're going to give you, you know, and that's happening outside our office. So we are operating under the assumption that they are living here. But when we do find out that information at that point, you have to, act. I mean, I, it's for my integrity, but as well for the integrity of the program and the school district, you have to at least act on it. And that is the right decision. That is, without a doubt, the right decision. You have to self-report it. Um, in this scenario, the athletic director actually uh, went to the coach and said, I found out this information right now. No one seems to know it. However, I'm going to let you make the call. And he put it on the coach. If you want to let him play, we'll let him play. We'll keep it quiet. If not, we'll go ahead and self-report. What do you think about that? Because well, I have thoughts. <laughs> well, that's one way to handle it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I'm not sure that's, that's the best way because what you're doing there is uh, shirking your responsibility because you oversee the program, and at the end of the day, that will fall back on your desk and uh, not only for your integrity but the opportunity for you to continue to be employed. Because you're definitely putting the entire team and those student athletes at jeopardy for losing that state championship along with – the embarrassment and I, and I think that's the right term we need to use the embarrassment of having a state championship pulled away given to another team because I was a kickapoo when that not this scenario happened when it happened to another school and we were awarded a state championship from a another school in Missouri that that did something very similar and and that's you know I couldn't imagine being the athletic director or the superintendent or principal at that high school and having to give back a state championship and having to go through the ridicule and those things. So, I mean, that, that plays into my decision. You know, I'd always say, does it pass the front page test? You know, does this decision, what I'm about to do, what's this going to look like on the front page of the Springfield newsletter? 
Right. That's a, that's a great point. And it's definitely the right decision, um, you know, the way that you both expressed handling it. And, and shame on that AD for going and putting that on the coach. That was not um, that that was not right. So let me ask you this. You know, you make a decision like that, which, again, is the right decision. You self-report that player is ineligible. He's unable to play in the playoffs. You're going to catch some heat in some of these communities. You're going to catch some heat. How do you handle that heat uh, knowing that it is coming down the pipe because you did the right thing? That's what's so twisted about some of these scenarios. How do you handle that? Well, I think any time that you know in your heart that you've done the right thing, then you just take it. And, um, you know, I mean, the heat that you take from making a decision that is correct and ethical um, won't compare to to the heat that you would take if you made the decision um, to play someone who was ineligible and then it comes back on on your desk. So, yeah, you know, again, you just have to live with it and – and you're you're in that role for a reason, and um, you know you're put there to, to make decisions, and and you've just got to be able to handle those tough situations. Yeah, it's it. You know, you you get very. I, I say I'd love to say I get used to it, but but we do get accustomed to taking heat for decisions, and so I don't know that that really sways me anymore uh, in terms of parents and and community because they're not going to always know the details, the things behind the scenes, what, you know, why we're doing what we're doing, where it can get a little stickier is if your administration, if your school board is not supporting you as well, that's, that's more of a decision for you personally. Is this where I belong? Right. You know, because, because, right. because I always, I'm, I'm going to make decisions where I can put my head to bed at night mm-hmm. and know that I've done the right thing, even though, yes, I just spent two hours on the phone getting yelled at and, cussed at and upset because I made a decision that has hurt somebody. I know I've made the right decision. I can go to bed and know that. that and here's that. the thing. You are taking heat for someone else's actions right. and someone else's mistake. And that's what can be infuriating sometimes in your position. They make the mistake. You call them on it and do the right thing and try to make it right in the global view of things. And you take the heat. There is some disconnect there. Oh, there, oh there's major <laughs> disconnect. Uh, you know, you know, as you know, you know, I've over the years I've done this a while now, and a parent accuses me of not caring about kids because I made this decision or oh not. And and it's more as though I'm making this decision because I care about kids, mm-hmm. because I care more about the development of that child's ethics and ability to make good decisions when they become an adult. You know that I'm going to make this decision, and it's tough, and I don't like it. I don't get any enjoyment out of suspending athletes or telling teams they can't participate because of you know various reasons but i'm teaching them the right thing now in a maybe a less consequence environment now than it would be when they're older and an adult so agree i so agree definitely all right let's move on to the next one let's talk money shall we it's kind of oh boy when you say money around athletic judges like saying mufasa around a bunch of hyenas you know, let's talk money because you're always looking for money. You always have in education. We're always trying to fundraise. We're always trying to find those generous donors that we do appreciate, um, legitimately appreciate um, their contributions. All right. So let's say that we have um, a donor that says, you know, I, I'm definitely, you know, going to um, donate. I, I have some money coming to me and I definitely want to donate. Um, but I'd like to see what some of the perks are. And so as an athletic director, you give them 25 
free season passes. 25 free season passers to this potential donor. Is that the right thing to do? Is that okay? Well, I think, you know, again, being at both the high school and the collegiate level, it probably um, would be more of a situation that I would have experienced at the collegiate level. This is a college example. Yeah, where you're you're trying to foster new relationships, new partnerships. So I think any time that you can reach out uh, to test the waters, uh, to see how you can enhance uh, the program, whether through um, donations to your budget or through facilities, uh, I think is, is a positive thing. Now, you want to make sure that you're always up front and uh, making sure that, uh, that everyone is on the same page. But, no, I think anything that you can do to, uh, you know, promote your program and get more people involved in your program is, is a plus. Well, the heat that was given to the athletic director on this decision was from student organizations saying, why are you giving 25 free passes when we are paying to get in the game? Or why aren't you donating these um, to someone that's been a season ticket holder for 30 years um, just because that person has money? But what you're saying makes so much sense because this is something that can affect the entire campus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it could enhance the overall campus and you know, if, um, if an athletic director is, is being um, proactive, then they're probably already giving tickets to student organizations to make sure that the game day environment is, is good and, uh, and you're getting people involved. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, those are, those are good questions. And uh, yeah, you're always, every decision you make, um, you know, you have an opportunity to, for somebody to, uh, to see it through a different lens. Anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd I'd say you know at, at at the high school level it's probably not as significant there, but it's it's the same thing that Coach Fisher said is spreading that around and making sure you know that a lot of groups and you know are getting that same opportunity, and so that's that's where I you know I think I told you earlier where I've we've paid for students to get into district and sectional games, you know you know first fifty kids and first hundred kids in to spread some of that around, so the students are benefiting and and, and we'll work with our special needs students and I, you know, get them into games so they can experience and work on their life skills again, you know, things like that. So trying to spread that around, I think gives you a more balanced approach to it. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Talk about those cuckoos in the stands. All right. You've got the crazy people in the stands that are very emotional. Um, you know, we were talking the overwhelming majority of, of parents in the stands or fans in the stands generally are fine and they're okay and we've got to give um, props to them but then you've got the occasional fruit loop that's got to be noticed that comes to games looking for fights whether it's fight for the official or fight with the coach or fight for players or other players you're the athletic director you're the administrator on site what is your process in dealing with some of the fans that get a little bit rowdy and cross the line Coach Fisher nods Don't to fight me on over that who's going to go yeah. first. That's when you give supervision to somebody else that yeah. night. Yes. Yeah. That's where we get the uh, principals and assistant principals right. involved now. Uh, you know, I, you know, you know, I get to meet with the parents. I know with COVID, we haven't been able to meet with them, but we, we do an online video and we try to explain to them our expectations. So it goes back to culture. What are we doing? Why are we here? Mission, vision, all that. But in the heat of the moment, I know that's not going to satisfy a parent that's upset at the official because his or her you know, or, you know, his daughter, son, whatever, just got robbed of a call and it's, you know, affecting the game and they're upset. And so 
how I've explained it to parents. And, the, and you know, I'm very, I, I say non-confrontational. I will not go and yell at another parent because they are, you know, I don't tend to match tone with them. But <laughs> right. what I will do is I like to go near them, proximity one. I go, I go near them. And most parents know if I walk up in the stands, they know why I'm up there. You know, so generally 99% of the time that calms out. But you're right, you get that one rowdy fan that it doesn't matter. So usually I'll sit down by them, sometimes on the stair. And, and, and it's a real gentle comment. I would hate for you to not be able to watch your son play. That would, that would just ruin my night for you not to be able to watch them play. But if you're going to be in this gym or in this stadium, you're going to need to calm down. And our rules are we cheer for our team. We don't yell at the fans or the officials and we do not yell at the other players. That's, that's just kind of our standard. So, and, and again, and, and that, and that goes to, you know, it's, it's even tougher when it's people, you know, and it's, you know, maybe fellow administrators and other right. people that are, you well, know. and you are now a parent, yes. you know, I mean, well, you've been a parent for yeah. a long time, but I mean, you're a parent that is in the activities. Yes. And so that makes it even a little bit more difficult. And you've been in that situation as well as a parent. Yeah, those are all good points that Brandon had. And I think it all starts, you know, with that parent uh, meeting at the beginning of the year where, first of all, they need to know you. So at least it's not somebody just coming up, you know, in an administrative role that's trying to to be the bad cop. And, uh, you know, most of them uh, get caught up in the heat of the moment. And, if you know, if you've ever had a son or daughter in an athletic event those things can happen even 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 to the what i would call the 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 sensible parents and so as brandon mentioned you know just making eye contact or moving toward them or sitting next to them and not trying to embarrass them even though they probably have already embarrassed themselves (laughs) and brought attention to them you don't want to you know to to put back them into a corner and um you know, the worst thing that you can have is an official. You know, we, we talk with Kelly Holt about, you know, situations where we don't want the officials throwing out the fans because then that becomes a really difficult um, position for an administrator to have to deal with at that point because not all the not always do the officials get the right individual. You know, they may hear a comment and think it's coming from so-and-so, and all at once they've thrown – you know the the school board president out and they haven't said a word in right in three years so so you know we have those conversations but again just trying to diffuse the situation and making sure that you have those personal relationships you know as much as you can so they know that you're trying to to do what's best uh, to to get the situation calmed down it goes back to what you were saying earlier you're protecting the integrity of the program and if someone gets you know marched out because they can't have any coping skills or control their actions um that compromises the integrity well and you're also embarrassing um your your children because the last thing you want is as a child a student athlete out on the floor is seeing your parents uh acting like a a knothead up in the stands a knothead (laughs) i like that (laughs) trying to keep you on the air good that is a calming force those two listeners would be disappointed (laughs) if we got shut down i know exactly so true so true Uh, so so on this diffusing um that that's fantastic yes um you know and of course if that doesn't work then you take it to the next level i asked you the question about crossing the line i said they have crossed the line where is your line 
that you, um, what is the line that, okay, I'm going up there and I'm going to sit next to them or, or I'm going, okay, that's it. I'm going up there. What, what's the threshold uh, for athletic directors to monitor? Because sometimes it's, you know, they a, a, a impulse comment. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily to address. But when does it, when do they cross the line? I think when it gets personal or um, there's inappropriate language. Uh, now, you know, people can agree or disagree on what appropriate uh, or uh, language is or, or not. But, uh, and, you know, every situation is different. You know, indoors, outdoor, you know, is a gym packed and and people may say well it shouldn't it all be the same but no all situations are different so i think you just almost have to use your experience and see where the climate is at that given time and um and and then make the best decision because we we definitely don't hear everything that's said and we don't want to hear everything that's said <laughs> and uh and as a parent i you know not that uh, i don't love the parents that my my child plays with i do they're great, great people but i generally don't sit with them and you know because i know there's things that can happen within that group that's very you know even though they may not be saying things i would approve of they're not screaming them out they're not you know they're not like i said personally attacking the official personally attacking other players or coaches uh, you know, and that's and that's where that's where that lines cross, and you have to kind of watch and go, okay, what what is this doing? Because most of the time, when someone cro- crosses that line, it makes all the other parents and other fans around them very uncomfortable because now they're drawing attention to all of them. Right, and, and I mean, you don't uh, you don't want that. You don't want that for sure. And they they should be better than that. We want them to be passionate. We want them to be loud and proud. We want them to make noise. We want them to have that, but be positive and in that direction. Um, well, I can this this hour is flown by and i can't thank you all enough for coming in here and, and if um you know any young athletic directors are listening you know these two gentlemen give them a call um they they can help um, mentor you in some of these situations I'm i'll post their phone number on the website no i'm kidding <laughs> but you 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 know reach out to mentors maybe it's not these two gentlemen but you know someone have some trusted people around you to bounce these things off of i always think that that's great accountability when you're making difficult decisions but thank you so much for being here, um, Brandon. I appreciate it. This is the first time you've been on the show, and I hope that um, it was easy enough you're going to come back. Yeah, thank you, Jenny. I enjoyed it. Good. And Coach Fisher, I don't, I'm not sure I asked. I just said, please be here. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, <laughs> Jenny. Thank you. I appreciate it, too. And we're going to move into our post-game talk. And we want to thank Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance for sponsoring, as well as Story Construction, family-owned and operated. Go to story.com, S-T-O-R-E-E.com. Next week, we're going to continue our sports ethics series. We're going to have some coaches in as well. And then, dun-dun-dun, we're going to have some officials in. Um, later on this month, we're going to have Arizona women's basketball coach Ada Barnes on. Um, and, and we're going to talk to her about how she is competing this year as the last year's national runner-up team. Now for our post-game talk. You know, I think about gratitude during this time of year. I mean, who doesn't, right? Thanksgiving? As my children would say, you tell us to be grateful every day. Why do we need to be grateful on just one day on this holiday? All right, good point, kiddos. I accept that. But I also want to distinguish between being grateful and expressing gratitude. Those are two different things. I have gratitude meetings once a month with someone that has made an impact in my life, big or small. I schedule time to actually express my gratitude with words or possibly gifts. I also still, yes, wait for it, write handwritten thank you cards that is a lost art send a note it doesn't take long but the impression lasts an extended time it's one of the most valuable lessons that i ever learned from my grandmother so make sure that you pay attention 
be grateful, and most importantly, express that gratitude because that is what champions do. And I'm going to remind you as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.